Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Well, if you want to go ahead and take out your bulletin again, if you want to turn to the inside, you'll find a little outline that'll help you follow along. We're going to be continuing our Uncommon series uh, today around the topic of holiness. And uh, I want to greet everybody who is watching online, Facebook Live, or listening to the podcast. Um, We're just so glad that you received the word with us today. What I'm going to do today and next Sunday, the next two Sundays, we're going to finalize this Uncommon series, right? And then we're going to transition for the next few weeks to our Christmas theme. Is anybody excited about Christmas? Is anybody not so excited about Christmas? All right, don't let us know. Well... (laughs) Just come to Marion Bride and you'll, you'll get excited about Christmas, all right? The 22nd is going to be a blast. And uh, we don't get all that much snow here in Georgia, so come and enjoy a little bit of uh, Marion Bride fake snow here on the 22nd. <laughs> I want to ask you guys a favor as a pastor. Is that all right? It's like, oh, he does this all the time. What is he going to ask for us now? Okay, next Sunday... Quite a few of us will be in Cuba, okay? While you guys are here praising the Lord, we'll be praising the Lord down in Cuba. We'll be uh, finalizing our encounter retreat for both adults and children. We will have had our happy birthday Jesus celebration and all that we're doing down in Cuba. So with so many of us being out, we need all hands on deck. All right, let me see your hand. Say, it's on deck. All right, all hands on deck next Sunday. I want to really encourage you not only to be at church, but... Be here, be ready to help out if you can, because so many of us will be out. Be here, let's not have an empty house. Let's find a way to fill the house, even though many of us will be out. Is that all right? Come on, say, I will be at church next Sunday. I will bring somebody with me. I will help. Uh Uh-oh, that didn't get too many. So, uncommon, right? This has been our, uh, before our Christmas theme, this has kind of been our series of teaching to close out the year 2019. And again, I'm going to cover something today, and the next Sunday is going to be the finale of Uncommon. Before we get to something new, how about we review? Is that all right? Let's take a look at our theme verses, which by, by now maybe. You have memorized it, but let's read it together as we have now for six weeks in a row. Let's read it all together. Ready? Are you ready? Now, all right. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And that was 2 Timothy 1.9. And from this theme verse, we have been learning again and again and again, right, that holiness is God's call for every saved person. If you are a Christian... You are called to live a holy life, right? Holiness is not just something special for some special people, but we're all special people if we've been born again, right? 
If you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord, if you've been washed by the blood of Jesus, if you've been forgiven of your sins, if you've been saved, you are called to live a holy life. Holiness is the call for every saved person. And also from this verse and many others, we've been learning that holiness is actually a part of grace, right? And, and we hear again and again that it's by grace we're saved and absolutely, salvation comes by grace, right? Salvation is something that we can't accomplish on our own. It's something that only the power of God can accomplish in our lives. But also grace, the same grace that saves us is the same grace. It's the power that calls us and empowers us to live a life of holiness, right? And then 1 Peter 1, 16 Let's read this one together. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy, right? And we've been learning that holiness is first of all based on identity, right? We have to first identify with the holy God as our father, as children of the God who is holy. And if we identify with him, if we know who we are in him and to him, then we can live the life of holiness that God has called us to live. It has to be first part of our identity. In fact, the first, uh, the first message in this series six weeks ago was identity matters, right? And then we had Chris Cohn here with us who shared on an uncommon lifestyle. Um, RJ shared with us. How many of you were here when RJ preached? It was awesome. He shared about I so holy, right? That we have to sow seeds into the life of holiness in order to see the result. And I taught you a two-part message called circumcision, blood, and oil. And uh, we learned a lot about how the Old Testament symbols of circumcision, blood, and oil apply to the life of holiness now as a part of the new covenant, right? Now, if there's one word that we could say... That holiness means, or holiness is, it's the word, oh goodness, come on y'all, uncommon, right? Holy means, I'm going to try that again for the third time, holy means uncommon, very good. Holy is not what most people, or a lot of people anyway, think it is. A lot of people look at holiness as something kind of like, I don't know, for monks, or nuns, or the Pope, or some extra special Christians out there that just seem to be able to be extra good, right? But that's not at all what holiness means. Holy means, the essence of the word holy means it's not common, it's uncommon. Last week we read a scripture that said that, that the priests had to teach the people the difference between what was holy and common, right? So holy literally means uncommon. It means different. It means special, peculiar, set apart, marked, not like everybody or else and not like everything else. When we say God is holy, when we say only you are holy like we just sang, right? We're saying you're not like anybody or anything else. You're totally uncommon. You're completely different, right? And then the scripture says, well, I am holy, God says, so you, my people, be holy. I'm uncommon, I'm different, I'm not like everybody else, so you ought to be uncommon, different, and not like everybody else. Are y'all good? So to be holy is to be like God. What's another word that we use for that? Godly, right? 
To be holy is to be godly, to be like God and not like everyone else. Now today I want to uh, talk to you about a topic that I call the walking dead. The walking dead, all right, can anybody give me your very best walking dead impersonation? I need to ask you a favor, because there's so many people out today, could you, let's just, let's just fill the house with some more energy or something, I don't know, I don't know, but, but, but let's be a little, let's talk a little bit more, talk back to me a little bit more today, is that all right? Yeah, Yeah. can you give me your very best walking dead impersonation? Now, first of all, that has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about. Second of all, by no means do I endorse that TV show. (laughs) But the title of today's message is The Walking Dead because a dead man walking or a dead woman walking is a very practical picture of what holiness looks like. And you say, what are you talking about? Let's look at... Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. What we're about to read in these two short verses is, you know, last week we looked at the fruit of the Spirit. What does holiness look like? It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The fruit of the Spirit is holiness. That's what it looks like. Okay, but what does the lifestyle or the habit of holiness look like it looks like the walking dead and so dear brothers and sisters I plead with you to give your I'm gonna try that one again I plead with you to give your bodies bodies. how interesting right give your bodies it doesn't say give your heart it says give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you let them what what's them referring to your bodies, all right? Say, my body. body. All right, I'm going to start over again. And then when it says them, instead of saying them, I'm going to say bodies, because them is referring to bodies, right? So, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all, he, uh, because of all he has done for you. Let your body be a living and holy sacrifice. Say, living, living. sacrifice. Alive? And what is a sacrifice? Dead, right? Come on, say living sacrifice. Let your body be a living sacrifice. Alive but dead. Oh, a living and holy. So God looks at this that we're about to continue reading and and study as something Holy, this is holy to God. This is uncommon. This is different. This is special. This is peculiar. This is not like anybody or anything else. It's holy. To live this way is holy. One more time, say living sacrifice. Now with that in mind, I'm going to start over and read it from the top. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let your body be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he'll find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Man, that says a lot right there. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a 
new person or a new type of person, it literally means, not like everybody else. By changing the way you think. It's a lot about perspective. Then, and not until then, will you learn to know God's will. Who wants to know God's will? I mean, listen, a lot of people, even that don't have any relationship with God, would love to know God's will. I mean, aren't we all in a search for our purpose? But it says only then, when we live like this, will we learn to even know God's will. And then it describes God's will for you as good and pleasing and perfect. I don't know about you, but I would like to know God's good pleasing and perfect will for my life so that I could actually experience it. Does anybody else want to know God's will like that? Well, here is, in a nutshell, what I'm going to say for the rest of the message. Are you ready? You ready to write it down? Or fill in the blank? I think it's in there. Holiness is serving God with my body, not just loving him in my heart. Holiness is serving God with my body, not just loving him in my heart. Let me say it a little different. Holiness is serving God with my visible behavior and outward lifestyle, not just loving him on the inside. He said, but I love God in my heart. How do I know that? Last week, we talked about the difference between righteousness and holiness, right? Righteousness is everything to do with our relationship with God. It's something on the inside, right? It's a standing with God. It's to be in right standing, to be in right relationship with God. But holiness has everything to do with the outside. How I live that righteousness that's on the inside, how I live it out on the outside. That's what holiness is, right? We said righteousness is is the wedding band, right? But holiness is the life of faithfulness to your spouse, Right? See, righteousness is in the heart. It's right standing with God. It's right relationship with God. But holiness is what I do with my body on the outside. And the the call to live a holy life, although, yes, it starts in the heart, it has way more to do than with just the heart. You see, I hear people say all the time, Christianity is all about the heart. Following Jesus is all about the heart. See, that. This is one of the simplest, most basic Christian concepts, but we have made it so complicated and goofy that it's crazy. I mean, what could be more silly than somebody that says they love Jesus in their heart but didn't show it through their lifestyle? Listen, I've been a Christian. I've been serving Jesus since I was like 15. I've been a missionary. I've been a pastor And still, when I see somebody that says they love Jesus with their heart, but their lifestyle lifestyle doesn't show it, that turns me off. How much more people that don't even know the Lord? See, holiness is more than just loving God in my heart. Holiness, a life of holiness, is serving God. It's living for God on the outside with my body, with my lifestyle. So how do you, what do we, what do we use to live our lifestyle? Our body, right? Your lifestyle doesn't come from your heart. Your lifestyle comes from your body. 
but I have an inner life. Well, good. It's not only about the heart. Mm, it got mighty quiet. Up here? Christianity is not only about the heart. It starts in the heart. Yes. But what is in your heart will show on the outside. It will. It will show through my lifestyle. What's in my heart must be shown. And this is what we call, you know, we've kind of been oscillating back and forth between two concepts for the past six weeks. We call this a dichotomy. Can you say dichotomy? See, a lot of people look at life and see contradictions. And yes, there are some contradictions for sure. But there are a lot of dichotomies, which means Two realities that seem to oppose, but they're not opposed. They just go together, right? Right? There's a lot of dichotomy in the Bible. Be careful when you read the Bible, because if you read the Bible and you don't really, really read the whole thing and you don't take into account other parts of the Bible, when you just read one part, you can go, wow, well, that seems to be a contradiction. But if you'd read the whole thing and see the big picture, you'll see, no, it's not a contradiction. It's a dichotomy. Two realities that at first glance, might seem to be, well, they seem different, but in, in, in all reality, they go together, okay? What is this dichotomy we've been looking at? First, what's in my heart will determine what I do with my body, right? Identity matters. What's in my heart, first, what's in my heart, what's happened in my heart, first, will determine what I do on the outside with my lifestyle, yes? But at the same time, we've been learning that I can determine or influence what's in my heart by obeying God with my body. What's in my heart was going to come out in my lifestyle. But I can also determine or influence what's inside my heart by obeying God with my lifestyle. What's on the inside comes out. But let me tell you, what you do on the outside comes in too. Holiness isn't one or the other, it's both. Holiness is a right relationship with God on the inside and what he's doing in your heart, but it's also the way I live on the outside to show what he's doing in my heart. Here's this dichotomy in scripture that we just read. It says living sacrifice. So living means alive. But to offer a sacrifice, what do you got to do with it? Kill it, right? It, how can there be a living sacrifice? Alive yet dead. Dead yet alive. A living sacrifice. Come on, say dead man walking. Or the walking dead. Now, let's talk about a little bit just about living. First of all, it says living. Come on, somebody say alive. alive. Told you I'm going to make y'all talk. We've got to stay awake this morning. All right. Come on, say alive. alive. Real life, y'all. This, this is not in your bulletin, but the Lord spoke this to me this morning. Are you ready for it? 
And we, boy, have we been rhyming in this series, but we're going to rhyme one more time. God doesn't just want you to survive. He wants you to thrive. God doesn't just want you to survive. He doesn't just want you to make it alive until you're dead. <laughs> right? I mean, isn't that, I mean, that's every human. You're alive until you're dead. But not everyone who's alive is living. Not everyone who's physically alive is really living life like God intended. And there is no real life except the life of God. God doesn't just want me to survive. He wants me to thrive. Look at John 10, 10. The thief, which we know is Satan, the devil, the liar, the tempter, right? The thief comes only. A lot of times we think the devil comes to give us, you know, you wouldn't say it with your mouth, but, you know, when, when the enemy comes, you don't necessarily think he's there to steal from you, right? To kill you or to destroy you. That's why we entertain him sometimes. Sometimes we forget what he is. What he is is a thief, and he only comes, okay? He only comes. He never comes for anything else. He only comes to steal and kill and destroy. As if stealing weren't enough, he wants to kill you. And as if killing you weren't enough, he wants to absolutely and totally destroy you forever and ever. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it in abundance, which means, this is the Amplified, to the full till it overflows. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like to me like somebody that's just surviving, like somebody that's just living until they're dead. But it sounds like somebody who's full of life, who's discovered real life and is living it. And he's not just living it. It's like overflowing. It's spewing out of them onto others. We're called to live real life. Now, this is very, very important for all of us to capture. Real life isn't living however I want. Real life is living how I was created to live. Real life isn't just living how I want to live because that's the way most, the, most of the world anyway sees life. If I'm going to really live life, I'm just going to, that means I get to do whatever I want, when I want, with whom I want, how I want. But how many of you have experienced that when you do it that way, it does not necessarily end well? To live life doesn't mean to do what I want. Real life is to live like I was created to live. Now, let me give you an example that makes a lot of sense to me. I hope it makes sense to most of you. But how many, does anybody in here besides me like roller coasters? Okay. Well, if you don't like roller coasters, you know how a roller coaster works. And if you've never been on one, it's very exhilarating. It's a great part of life. Okay? Let, let's go at it from this angle. Real life wouldn't be for that roller coaster to go wherever it wanted because that would not be life. That would end in sudden death. <laughs> Real life is for the roller coaster to go and stay on the tracks through all the hills and ups and downs and loops and inversions and sudden stops and goes and all that, right? Real life would not be for that roller coaster to go, well, I think I'm just, no, forget the track, I'm gonna go over here. You would quickly be dead, as are many of us who just live how we want to live. 
you know what? I'm just going to do it. And listen, I'm even in the church and I say I love Jesus. But you know what? Nobody's going to tell me how to live. Nobody's going to tell me how to talk. Nobody's going to tell me what to look at. Nobody's going to tell me what I listen to. Nobody, nobody's going to tell me how I behave. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. I'm not going to submit to anybody. I'm going to just do it how I want to. And crash right into the wall. And you know what? We're all standing around going, it didn't have to end that way. Life isn't just doing what you want to. Real life is doing what you were meant to do. What you were made to do. And you were made to love God. To serve him and to obey him. And Jesus came that we might have life. So living alive. How about sacrifice? Well, if, if, if living is alive and sacrifice is dead, well, how can I be alive yet dead? Paul said it so clearly, okay? I'm just going to tell you. To be dead means to have zero interest in the world. It means to have zero interest in my own will. In my own ways. And what everybody else expects of me, thinks about me. Speaking of the world. Look, Galatians 6.14, as for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, what did the cross do to Jesus? It killed him. Because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. Come on, say dead. And the world's interest in me has also died. In other words, what the world thinks, what the world says, the ways of the world which, by the way, end up being the ways of my own flesh and what I want. and You know what I'm saying? No longer has any say or bearing in my life. I've lost interest in it, and it's lost interest in me. I'm dead. I'm dead to the world, and the world is dead to me. Right? Oh. Bombshell revelation, Right? This is a bombshell, right? Like they say on the, on the not-so-news all the time, right? Ready? You ready for the bomb to just... Living holy is true worship. That's what it is. Turn that around. True worship is living holy. Living holy is true worship. You want to give true worship? Live holy. See, all that we call worship, like what we just did here a few minutes ago, like singing songs to God, great. That's awesome. But a lot of Christians just equate worship to that. We even call it now the worship experience. Worship is not an experience. <laughs> Most of you probably saw the silly meme, but I saw it the other day. And so for those of you that didn't hear it, you all get to hear it. It was this guy. He said, I didn't really enjoy the worship experience today. And the other guy said, that's all right. We weren't worshiping you anyway. 
Can songs be worship? Can lifting my hands be worship? Can getting on my, can get on my knees be worship? Can dancing be worship? Can kneeling, getting on my face be worship? But did you know you can do all of that and it not be worship? They do that to idols, statues all around the world all the time. You can do, I can do all that stuff and not actually be truly worshiping. It's only when my lifestyle worships him that worship is really worship. Living holy, living a holy life, pursuing a godly life, day in, day out, 24-7, 365, when we live that way, listen, you don't have to, you can literally be walking through Publix, going to work, going to school, relating to your children, out and about. And you know what God hears? He hears a song of worship unto him. Our lives are true worship. Let your lifestyle be a song of worship unto God. I promise then you will have a real worship experience. And you'll enjoy it. Holy living is true worship. So, if holiness, which is worship, means to serve God with my body, how do I serve God with my body? How about we talk about some body parts today? Is that all right? Let's talk about a few body parts. First, my eyes look. My eyes, all right, for serving God with our body, my eyes, they look. Get this. We cannot always control what we see, but we can always control what we look at. Just let that sink in for a second. <laughs> Matthew 6, and 23, Jesus had something to say about it. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Does anybody need some light? Yeah? When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. It seems like the eyes must be a pretty important key to this whole serving God with my body thing, right? It seems like if I get my eyes right, that it must be easier to get the rest of the body right, right? Okay? Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. If you don't have light, you can't see what to do with the rest of your body, right? Come on, the eyes are very, very important. Come on, turn to somebody and say, careful little eyes what you see. Now, 
A better version of that would be turn to somebody else. Careful little eyes. What you look at. Because we cannot always control what we see, but we can control what we look at. Okay? If your, your whole body is filled with light, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Take care of your eyes. It's more important than you've treated it as. Maybe you haven't even understood that the way you use your eyes affects the way everything else in your body works. How you serve or don't serve God, love or don't love God with your eyes will affect your ability to serve and love God with your hands and your feet and everything else, right? Careful little eyes, what you look at, okay? Let's take care. I got to make sure my light isn't darkness. Now, how does my light become darkness? By what I look at. How does my light stay bright? By what I look at. Stop dimming your lamp by looking at dark things. Each one of these body parts could be a whole sermon, but since I don't have time, let's move on. All right. Stop dimming your lamp by looking at dark things. Second thing, my ears here. My ears here. And just like we could say, we can't always control what we, we can't always control what we hear, but we most definitely can control what we listen to. Like what? Conversations? You can't always control hearing something, but you can definitely control listening to something. Careful with what conversations you let your ears listen to. What else do our ears do? Well, they listen to music. Okay, just be careful what music you let in your ears. Okay? I know this is... Media tends to be more with the eyes, but a lot of media comes through our ears, right? A lot of, I've learned something. I'm sure that by now you've learned it, okay? Whatever you allow to get in here, it's going to repeat in your brain, right? How many of you have already, just in two days, you've had this in your, in your brain? Rocking around the Christmas tree. And it won't go away, it won't go. Have you, has anybody seen Lego Movie 2? This song's going to get stuck inside your, this song, right? It's going to get, whatever you let in here, it gets stuck in there and it repeats and it repeats and it repeats and it repeats. Have you ever been like, I just can't get this song out of my mind? Because whatever you let in your ears repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats and repeats in your brain. Our brain is like Spotify on repeat, right? So how careful should we be? with what we let in our ears. If I know that what I let in there is going to be repeated up here, I ought to be careful with what I let in my ears. Care for those ears. Next one. My mouth speaks. 
My eyes look, my ears hear or listen, and my, my mouth speaks. What does your mouth speak? Words. <laughs> Here we go again. Conversations. It's not just listening to them, but what conversations is my mouth participating in? And some of us really like to talk a lot. Some don't like to talk so much. But it doesn't matter if you talk a lot or you talk a little. What are you talking? What, is my, what am I using my mouth to speak? Conversations. You know a really big one? Confessions. The things that I confess. Because we constantly are confessing positive and negative things all the time, right? Look, look at what Proverbs 18.21 says. New King James says, death and life. Not just death and not just life. Death and life. Both of them are in the power, and that word is literally the authority of the tongue. Literally, you can release. There's authority in your tongue. And you can release both death and life. I don't know about you, but I want to release life into my life and not death into my life. Come on, is anybody with me on that one? And then it says, and those who love it, what? To talk. <laughs> Eat its fruit. New, King, uh, New, New Living, the tongue can bring life, uh, death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. They can be good consequences. And they can be not so good consequences. It, it depends on what you are speaking. A lot of times, bear with me on this one. A lot of times what we are experiencing in life is a direct result of something we said. And this is a biblical principle from beginning to end. What you say, you get. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm going to eat the fruit of whatever I speak. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I like good fruit. <laughs> I don't want a rotten apple. I want a fresh, crispy, sweet, tangy, juicy apple. And whatever you speak, that's going to produce something, and you're going to end up, you're going to end up eating it. It's going to end up being in your life. Are you all right? There's power in positive confession, and there's power in negative confession. And when I say power in positive confession, I don't mean some kind of weird nonsense. No, no, no. There's power in saying what God says, but there's also power in saying contrary to what God says. Use, let's, I want to use, I want my mouth, I want my tongue to always say what God says because I always want to be eating God fruit. I want to always say, I want to always confess the positive because I always want to reap positive results, right? Careful, little mouth, what you speak. Listen, you can be a living sacrifice by constantly declaring God's word with your mouth. How is that being a living sacrifice? Because a lot of times, God's word goes against what you feel and what you think. So when I declare God's word, a lot of times it means I'm dying to myself and saying what I want to say. Well, this is just how I feel, so I'm going to say it. Well, good, you know, how's that going for you? I say what I feel a lot, and that doesn't necessarily produce anything good. To declare God's word despite what I feel or think will produce life. Because God's word is alive. If you're not happy with your life, 
If you're not happy with what you're experiencing, I'm not saying this is the with all and everything and this is 100% everything, but it has a lot to do with what you've been saying. Change the way you talk and you will reap the fruit of it. Side note. We ought to also be careful what we put in our mouth. (laughs) I don't know if that hit everybody yet. We've been talking about serving God with what comes out of our mouth. How about loving, serving, living a holy life with what we put in our mouth? Here's just a rule of thumb. You, you, You guys ready? If it's harmful, it's not God's goodwill. The, good, the will of God is good, is pleasing, and is perfect. If it's harmful to put it in my mouth or up my nose or whatever, however you put it in. I'm just being real, y'all. But most things come through our mouth. If it's good for you, have at it with moderation, right? If it's harmful... Keep it out of your mouth. That could be another whole sermon, but how about we go? Let me just say one more time with that. Take care of God's temple. Listen, what comes in your eyes and what comes in your ears and what you do with your, all that, okay. What comes in your mouth directly affects the body, which is, by the way, the only thing you have for 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years to serve God with on the earth. You, you just have your body. That's all you have right? We'll have our spirits for all eternity, but on earth, all we got is our body to serve him with, right? Take care of your body. All right. My hands touch. My hands touch. This one doesn't need much explanation now, does it? Careful what you touch. Everybody here? Careful whom you touch. Careful how you touch whom you touch. Shatalabasate. Our hands constantly touch people, and our hands constantly touch money. And our hands often touch things. You say, I wish my hands touched more money. <laughs> I don't know. That just went off in my brain. But <laughs> What's been repeating in my brain? Help me. All right. Again, it doesn't need much explanation. Careful whom you touch. Careful what you touch. Careful how you touch whom you touch and what you touch. People, money, stuff. Okay. You, listen, you can touch somebody or something in the most pure, loving, godly way, and you can turn around and touch that same person, thing, money, whatever it is, the exact same thing, and touch it in a, in a wrong way, in an ungodly way. Careful how you use your hands. Now, I had to put this verse in there because it's so just straight, to the jugular, right? Look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 5. It, it, it says, God's will for you is to be holy. I think we've established that in six weeks, right? 
God's will for us is to be holy. That's, there's no doubt about it that God has called us. If I'm a Christian, if I've been born again, if I have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, I am called to live a holy life. So look what it says. Stay away from all sexual sin. Note that it does not say resist all sexual sin. It says stay away from it. It doesn't say try hard to defeat it. It says don't even get in the ring. All examples in the Bible of men who were pure, sexually pure, and who fell and were terribly destroyed by sexual sin. If you look at pretty much every example, I remember Joseph. Remember what Joseph did? He ran for his life. He ain't grabbed no shoes or nothing, Jesus. He didn't. Literally, it says, when, when um, with uh, well, Sister Potiphar, what was her name? Potiphar's wife, whatever. We, let's, talk, let's call her Sister Potiphar. All right. Sister Potiphar said, come sleep with me, Joseph. He said, Bye, <laughs> bye, Sister Potiphar. That is the only appropriate version of bye, Felicia. Okay, literally, bye. I am out of here. She wanted him so bad she grabbed a hold of his cloak, and you know what? He ran away naked. He didn't even want to get in the ring. He didn't try to say no. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. No. He said bye. I'm out of here. He not only served God with his hand, he served God with his feet, and he got out of there, right? I like, isn't it amazing that the first thing it says, if God's will is first to be holy, stay away from sexual sin. Why does the Bible say that? Because God knows. God knows how detrimental it can be. Stay away. Listen to me. Ladies and gentlemen, don't even try to resist. Just stay away. Don't even try to resist the not clicking on it. Turn the dang thing off. Sorry, I said dang preaching. Okay. Um, need to serve God with my mouth. Um, don't try. Well, we're going to try to stay pure until our wedding night. You can try all you want. But if you are alone with that lady, if you are alone with that good-looking, handsome, strapping gentleman, it's going to take more than trying. Stay away. I mean, this is not, this is not take a rocket scientist. Scientists to figure it out. Just stay away. I'm sorry. Stay away. Finally. Last one, I promise, Amma, I promise. My feet go. My feet go. Right? My eyes look, my ears hear, my mouth speaks, my, hand, my hands touch, my feet go. Where do they go? Places. <laughs> right? Let's just, let's just keep this one real simple. Make your feet take you places that promote holiness. And make your feet stay away from places that could compromise your holiness. Well, I can go over there and it'll be all right. Well, 
Not always. <laughs> Not always. How many times have I seen people say, I thought I could handle it. And they went there and they couldn't handle it. You know how they could have handled it? Keeping their, taking their feet, making their feet take them somewhere else. Well, I can go over there. It's no big deal. Are you, are, be careful with this one. Actually, I don't need to be careful. Y'all just need to hear it because I need to hear it, right? Y'all all right? Are my feet taking me places that would compromise my testimony? May, it may not be a bad place to go, but are your feet, if somebody on the outside is looking in and they don't know your heart, all they know is your body. Are my feet taking me places that could, yes, compromise my holiness, but also just compromise my testimony? What does it look like? You know, sometimes doing good things that look bad, are, it, it, it's bad. Sometimes we do things that aren't necessarily bad, but it looks bad. Therefore, it compromises my testimony. You know how I cannot compromise my testimony? Make my feet take me other places. And notice I keep saying make your feet. Your feet don't go, your feet don't go anywhere without you making them go. Right? Just to wrap it up, Deuteronomy 18.9. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, and this is referring to the new life. This is the Old Testament uh, foreshadowing or symbolism of the new life, the new land, the promised land, right? Be very careful not to imitate the detestable customs of the nations living there. We don't imitate the world. We imitate Jesus. We imitate Jesus. And yes, that will make us uncommon, different, peculiar, special. Holiness, I'm, I'm finishing, all right? Holiness starts in the heart, but then we live holy by serving God with our body, with our lifestyle. And the result is amazing. It basically says I'll have a totally new perspective on life. I'll be a new kind of person. It all happens by changing the way I think. And when I do, I get to discover God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then he looks at all of that and he says, there's worship. There's worship. There's my, there's my worshiper. You can stand. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.